See it. Do you hear me, church? If you shine in the light, you can see it. And it, 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 we're thankful. There's a, you know, I don't, know, don't want to go into the whole history of this river, but it's for real. It's big. It's one of the largest. But to see it with your own eyes, when you shine a light on it, you can see it. Church, I'll tell you, just don't, don't walk blindly. If you're quiet enough, you can hear it. When you tune out everything else, you can hear it. And I'm telling you, God wants to do something great. The last few weeks, we've been talking about a man in the Bible named Nehemiah. And it, it kind of started with this whole thing with Father's Day. And I just could not shake this, this, this story. It's life. It's exciting. I don't know if you realize where we are as a church. It's, there's different seasons that God brings people and churches together and different things like that. And, and, and all these different seasons. And where he's got us right now is this building stage. He's wanting to build something strong within. And you, you have to focus because there's so much around you. Nehemiah was a prime example of focusing. Nehemiah did a great job on the wall. Nehemiah's heart was broken <coughs> for the situation at hand. So I want to talk to you a little bit about, just to kind of give you a quick view of Nehemiah and get right into this. It, it, it's about a guy that is an ordinary guy. If you've not read the story, you, you need to read it. It's, it's such a powerful story. It's about an ordinary guy in the Old Testament named Nehemiah who does a great work. When all is against him, he's doing a great work. Here's what I know about you. And you might be like, I don't even know you. That's fine, but here's what I know about you. I believe this with my whole heart, that you're not created by accident, that by the, the love and the goodness by the Lord, He knew exactly what He was doing when He made you. By His love. He knew for such a time as this, in this moment in life, in history, for this moment right here, he knew why he created you. We can go through life and just go by day by day and just like, it's just another day. No, it, it, it depends on how you look at it. Is it another day or is it another opportunity? He created you for such a time as this. He formed you. He gave you gifts. He gave you passions, desires to do something that makes an internal difference in the world we live in. He gave you that. Now, it's what we're going to do with those things that he's given us. Are we wasting them away? Are we hiding them? But he gave them to you. And I believe by the Spirit of God that will, he will speak to many of us and stir you today. 
and shake you today and to move you today and to inspire you today to do a good work for God. God has a good work for every one of us today to do something incredible that's going to make eternal differences. Let me bring you up to speed if you don't know. Nehemiah. Who is this man? Nehemiah is just an ordinary man in the Old Testament. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a pastor. He wasn't even a king. He wasn't a, a builder, a contractor. He was just a regular guy who actually served the king of Persia. And his role as, in his serving role was he was called the cupbearer. Basically, a cupbearer is somebody that would present the cup to the king. The cupbearer was almost the most important man in the whole kingdom because if he gives him that cup and it's poisoned, he's dead. But the cupbearer will taste the cup before he gives it to the king to ensure that it's safe. His role was so vital to the king no, no other role was as important as that role, being the cupbearer. Because a lot of times throughout history, the way they were trying to get rid of kings and leadership was by poisoning them as they drank. But the cupbearer would present the cup, would already have the cup ready, would already have made sure. So every time he took a drink of the cup before the king, he was taking a chance of dying. But to ensure the king would live. So the cupbearer's job was very, very important. He was kind of like a consultant, a servant, advisor to the king. And his brothers come into play, come to visit him, and he heard about the situation of the people of Israel. And him hearing the situation got him stirred up where he was weak and cried and bowed down and just had a moment because his heart ached for the people in the land. And under the reign of the, I guess you would say evil Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylons came and completely destroyed Judah, crushed Solomon's temple, burned the gates, left the city in complete ruins. And literally thousands and thousands of Jews and Ju these Jewish people were taken captive. Decades passed and no one could seem to rebuild the wall. Then one day, Nehemiah, brother, his, his brother traveled to him and told him about the situation with the people and his heart sank. He was broken inside because the people of God had no protection. They were vulnerable. They were, they were in, in just in shambles. They didn't know what to do. They were running around without any instruction. They didn't have any protection. They had no walls. They had no leadership, no direction. And Nehemiah started seeking the heart of God. And you notice over and over again, that he prays throughout this book, 
If you read the book of Nehemiah, there are so many times he's praying. Twelve different times recorded in Scripture that he's praying and seeking God's face. He goes before the king. He's hurt. Now, there could be a situation at hand to tell you, okay, well, I'm broken, but there's nothing I can do about it. That's where you're wrong. You see something that's wrong, and you're just like, oh, man, that kind of hurts. What are you going to do about it? You can do something about it. Nehemiah was just a cupbearer. He had no authority. He had nothing. But he just knew who God was, and he knew the ache of his people because his heart was breaking for what God's heart was breaking for. So he was close to God. And I, I guess that could be a prayer, and I'll say it again later, but God, break my heart for what breaks yours. And when he starts to break your heart for what breaks his, guess what? There's your sign. It's time to do something. So the cupbearer is presenting the cup before the king. The king notices it, and the king is very observant because when you spend time with somebody, guess what? They know your demeanor. What's wrong with you? You seem sad coming to me. Why are you so sad? Oh, I'm fine, king. And bottom line is he, he tells him the situation, and the king is like, what do you want me to do? What a great opportunity. What do you want me to do? Listen, church, can I tell you something? God has blessed us as a church. And, and, and I think a lot of it is in the normal things, but it's in the ignorant things too. When you just go out, of the, out on a limb and you're just like, what are they going to say, no? So we're just going to ask. And most of the time, if you just go by faith because you know there's a need and you go out and you take that leap to ask, guess what? It just might happen. And I'm trying to tell you, church, that, God is calling us to rebuild and to build strong. To build strong. We're not going to be any good out there if we're not strong in here. Does that, that make sense to anybody? We got to build strong. We got to build strong. So he asked for permission to leave his job, travel back to his homeland, and try to assist the situation. Perhaps maybe assemble some people to believe that God could maybe do something through him that not, has not happened before through anybody else. God, you could probably do something through me that nobody else has been able to do. And if that's fine, if you want to use me to do that, then so be it. But here I am, because what did I say? You don't have to be qualified. All you have to be is just available. He'll do the rest, just be available. When you're available, he pours it down. And then you start to see things like, how are you guys able to do that? How is this possible? How do you pull that off? It's because we're available. It's because we say yes. And it's also because we say no at times. But we'll talk about that in a minute. And so he's saying, you know, God could per perhaps help me do something and give me knowledge to help rebuild the walls. I don't even know. He don't know how to rebuild walls. He didn't go to school to rebuild walls. He's not a construction guy. He's, he, he consults with the king, but he doesn't know how to do all that. But eventually he starts the, starts the process. He, he starts the process. And what's crazy, I don't want to get too deep in this because i got to get into the story real fast. That's amazing because the king asked, when you go ahead and present something to the Lord and you present something, they're going to ask, what do you want? And here's what he says, hey, give me how much time do you need? He gives him a number. 
So not only does it give him a number, he, be, he, he kind of puts a stamp of approval and extends a scepter to it. And then he, he says, well, since you're go ahead and sending me, can you give me safe passage? And while you're giving me safe passage, can you send me some of the, the warriors with me? And while you're sending the warriors, is there any way we can get some lumber for, from your forest so we can rebuild these gates that have been burned down? Let it be so. So he goes back, have no idea how to do anything, but because he was willing to go before and talk to the king and, and, and present it, guess what? He didn't have to pay for anything. The king of Persia paid to rebuild the wall. Three people got that. I appreciate that. He was just a vessel. You know, Persia and different countries, they weren't all in one accord at times. But I, I've said it so many times, God's got this stuff stored up in this earth for the kingdom. It's all stored up waiting. We've seen touches of it. We've seen it. Just a couple years ago, and, and, and you no, know, we haven't done much this year, and there's a lot going on. It's not that we don't have it, don't have the fork truck and all that. It's just, it's a weird spot we're in right now. Trying to figure things out. The food banks are getting low. They're short, short because the stuff's not going into the stores and they can't give it out. So there's a lot of stuff going on. But listen, God gave us an opportunity and why the door was open. And I'm not saying it's shut or whatever. We're just in a process of waiting. So don't like get your lips flapping thinking that nothing's happening. We just got to just wait on the Lord. I don't want to jump too soon. And here's what's crazy is, is that in, in those months, like I said, that whole 2020, we did something that was outrageous, that didn't make sense, that we shouldn't have done, and people would have flipped out over it. COVID-19. We were serving food to people with COVID when we didn't understand COVID. Kept them in their cars and opened up the trunk and put gloves and all. We did not care, but now we care. Now it's like a weird thing. And what's crazy, we gave away 30,000 pounds. I'm not trying to get into I just need you to understand something. 30,000 pounds of food a week for those times that nobody could do anything. Remnant Church became the church of the city that they went to if they needed food and anything. And what a great opportunity. And then we all throughout did more and more and more and all that kind of stuff. But what I'm trying to tell you, church, is that that was great for that moment. He still wants to do even greater and even bigger and even better. It's not we lack the fact that we can't be faithful with the little things, which were huge to us. He sees it. So he goes. And here's the thing. The moment you start creating movement on behalf of the things that matter to God, your spiritual enemy will show up and try to resist the very work that God put you in charge of. The very work that he put in your heart, the enemy will show up and try to do that. In fact, if your enemy can't destroy you, he will distract you. So I want to talk to you about distractions. If he can't destroy you, he will distract you. I couldn't shake it. There's so many different ways, but I could not shake for the last week and a half about distractions. It's easy. 
It's fast. We're distracted so much. It's unreal. He will do whatever he can to take your eyes off the mission, off the calling, off the purpose, distract you from God's will. And that's exactly what happened in this story. The wall started to go up, and the enemies, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, they showed up to distract Nehemiah off the job. These three guys show up to distract him. I'm going to read it in Nehemiah chapter 6, 1 and 2. You'll see the enemy's plan to divert the mission of God. It says in verse 1, Samballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies found out that I finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained. I mean, guys, you gotta, you got to understand this. A man that doesn't know what he's doing rebuilds a wall and there's no gaps. This is a huge accomplishment. Though we had not yet set up the doors and the gates, guess what? The wall's rebuilt, there's no gaps, and guess what's all that's left? The doors, the gates. And look what the enemy tries to do at the last minute. This is my last, this is my last moment to try to, to distract you because the wall's up, now I gotta get this gate, and I gotta, I'm finishing the top layer, and we're trying to get these gates in, and we're trying to finish up. This is my last attempt. Because when these gates are up, it's going to be a lot harder to distract you when you're inside the walls that God put you in. Though we had not yet put up the gate, so what does Samballat and Gisham do? They send a messenger asking me, asking Nehemiah, to meet with them at one of the villages in the plain of Oam. Oh no. Nehemiah, basically they're saying, meet with me there. And they're basically saying, hey, Nehemiah, stop building the wall. Just stop building the wall. We don't like what you're doing. Just please, just meet with us and stop building. Please meet with us. Tip number one. You want to write it down or not, but it's, it's a pretty obvious one. And it's found right here in this scripture. Never meet with your enemies in a place called, oh no. <laughs> it's pretty obvious. You not want to meet any enemy in a place called, oh no. <laughs> it's a bad place to meet. <laughs> Please meet with us here in this place called, oh no. No way. <laughs> oh no. Don't ever do it. Whatever you do, don't meet anybody in, oh no. If you're driving and doing a a little trip, and there's a sign that says, here, next stop, oh no, yeah, keep driving. God will provide. You know what I'm saying? Don't go there. <laughs> What's interesting to me is when you look at this, what I see is like what it is today. Someone like us today in our context might have translated this opportunity to meet with the enemy. When you look at this, he's trying to get you in a place called oh no, and, and when you try to translate it to today's terms, 
and the context and, and, and trying to meet, what happens is, is people today look at that, oh, meeting with the enemy might be a good opportunity. Think about what might be said. Oh, man, they hate me. They don't like what I'm doing, but this is an opportunity to convert my critics. Or is it an opportunity to expand my influence? I mean, my enemies want to meet with me, so I might have a, a little bit of turn on this. This is what today's culture is like. Or can I use it in your language today? It's, this is opportunity to build my brand. I could probably build my brand off of this. I know it's my enemy, but, you know, I can build that, make my enemies closer, you know. I can probably build my brand. This is the stuff that, that today's culture is all about, no matter if the enemy wants to meet or not. This might be an opportunity for me to reach more people and establish to reach and build my name. The problem is, we, what we often think is an opportunity God calls a distraction. Let me say that again. What we often think is an opportunity God calls a distraction. What we think really is that opportunity is actually a distraction from our enemies trying to take us and divert us off of the very purpose of which we've been created. Where are we at in this? Has there been distractions in your life that has diverted you from the purpose of God? That has distracted you so much that nothing else matters but, but basically sitting down eating with the enemy. The enemy says, please come meet with us. Please come meet with us. Please come meet with us. We are, basically they're saying, listen, we're just trying to distract you. I would argue that perhaps that there's never been an easier time to be distracted in history of the world than today. Distraction is unreal today. So many distractions everywhere. Everywhere you look, there's a distraction. Today, it's so easy. Have you noticed? All the distractions. To become great at doing things that don't matter. Have you noticed that people are doing great things that don't matter? It's, been, it's never been easier to be passionate about wasting your time. So passionate about wasting time. So distracted with everything going on. So many distractions at hand. So what do we see in the story? The enemy, the critics, they're asking Nehemiah for a meeting. Hey, let's have a meeting. Hey, why don't you come down off that wall so we can meet. And what happens? Nehemiah, he rejects the meeting. Why? So he could stay on task and keep building the wall. A man that does not know anything about building somehow rallied up everybody and families and started to build. He does not come off the wall to meet and oh no. 
He stays on the wall and says, no. Nehemiah, will you meet with us? No. Can we have a meeting, Nehemiah? No. Nehemiah, we want to talk to you and help you see the other side. Nope. No. How about no? No. Nope. <sighs> Nehemiah, if you could just meet with us, just for, uh, give me five minutes, please. Can I just have five minutes of your time? And so many times we get distracted and so many times we get frustrated and so we'll just meet because we're already over it and they're not going to give up. But you can get to a place where you just don't give up either and say no. Don't give in. Don't give up. One of the most strategic skills that you can develop in order to do what God has called you to do is the ability to say no to things that might distract you. Did I, is this going in the ears or is this sliding? To develop in yourself the ability to say no to the things that might distract you. Well, this is hard for a lot of people because I just can't say no. I, I struggle with saying no. I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. I, don't want to, I just want to please everybody, so I'll, just, I'll, I'll lend an ear. You'll lend a life. It might start with your ear, but it's going to take your life. No is one of your most important words. You actually grow with your no's and not with your yeses. I don't want to be distracted by the things that would take me out of God's perfect will. I don't want to be distracted from the things out of God's perfect will, so I have to say no to that. How do you say no? I found an example. It's not long, but watch this. Just kind of helping you. No! No, 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 no! No, 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 no! No! What? No. No! No. No, no, no. No, 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 no. No! No! Just shut it off. Okay. Um, you've probably seen every one of those movies, freaks. Um, just kind of giving you an example. Some people don't know how to say no. So I just wanted to show you real quick a little bit of no. It's real easy. It's just no. How about no? Say it with me. Say no. Yeah. Now, I know if you're a parent, you might be used to this because you just, the kids are asking you, you're just like, no. Now, my dad's not in here. He's serving in the back. Thank the Lord. He's, he's a great guy. I love that he serves those kids back there. They love him to death. But there was a moment when he was like, what part of no don't you understand, son? I'm like, that middle part. I don't get that one right there. That N and O, I just don't know what that is right there. He's like, let me show you. No. <laughs> I got the middle belt. <laughs> but it's hard for people to say no. And Nehemiah's on a wall. How do you say no? No. No. I don't care if you got to turn your head. No. No. 
about no? N-O. Nope. Nada. Ah. <laughs> it, it's not hard. It's a, real, it's a great skill. No. And I know you use this in other forms because you're teaching children stuff and they want their stuff back and they've taken it. No. <laughs> and they're asked, no. But we're easy to do that when we're trying to teach our children, but why don't you lead by example when other people distract you and you say no to that? Too many times we're so distracted. And a lot of times it can usually start first in the family um, and you've got to say no with stuff that's going to distract you because that, that, that hits home first. Then there's the fleshly desires. You've got to say no because if you don't say no, what is going to take you on a journey and distract you from the purpose of God and you'll find out that you're in a place and you're like, how did I even get here? Because you didn't say no. You just kept it going. Just say no. It's real easy. No. Are you going to do that? No. Say no with me, guys. Are you going to do that? No. Are you going to buy that? No. <laughs> Are you going to go? No. <laughs> it was just a little bit of things. But you've got to learn to just say no. You've got to learn to say no. Here's the deal. Don't say maybe because it doesn't mean no. Don't say maybe when you mean no. You see what I'm saying? Don't say maybe when you mean no. And you do in yourself mean no. You're like, well, maybe. No, you're in your soul. You know for a fact. You're saying no. But you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. And you don't want to distract. Well, maybe. See, here's what maybe does. You're on the wall. You're building. And you're already entertaining something that the enemy is distracting you by maybe. And let's talk about it. We'll have a meal over it. No, no. I have to build. This is what God's called me to do. I can't shake. I know I love you. I know we're family. or I know we're friends. But I can't leave from this spot. So no. And it's okay. Listen. If they get offended and mad, why are you so stuck on it? God's got to search their heart. you got to stay where God has put you. So say no. Man, no, man. It's, just make it easy. Nope. How about no? Nope, nope. I mean, I've had to practice this in my life because if not, I will be so consumed with everything else. Listen, I've, I'm that guy at times. I don't want to offend. I don't want to, you know, there was moments, but man... Just ask me something. I'll just tell you no real quick. He's like, nope. You want that? Nope. <laughs> you got to learn to balance it because what happens is, is the distractions can cause you to really lose focus on what God's called you to do. Why you even were in the position to do it. The provision was there. Everything was there. If he would have came off the wall, instead of saying no, Guess what's not built? The gates. I don't care how tight the walls are. The gates aren't closed. Guess what? The whole thing's destroyed. Because you still got a way in. Oh, can I set you free real quick? No can be a complete sentence too. No. <laughs> you don't even have to say no because. Just say no. And, and let, me, let me bring it to, to Jesus real quick. Jesus even said no. There was times where he said no. He was healing a lot of people. He was dealing with the crowd. 
And there was moments when he was done. There's, we, we don't want to accept it, but there is times where Jesus didn't heal everybody. And he was done. And guess what? There was times he walked away. He wasn't being mean. He was being wise. There's so many times we would say no to the crowd. And he would say no to the crowd so he could say yes to the Father. So many times. If I could say anything to any kind of leader in the room, any leaders, those of you who, who are leaders, no is one of the most important things. You cannot be available to everybody all the time. If you're always available to everybody, eventually you will have nothing to give to anyone. If you're always available to everybody, you won't have nothing to give to anyone. We must be strategic about our no's. We don't say no because we don't care. We say no because we really do care about what God has called us to do. Just because you could do something doesn't mean you should do something. Man. Four different times, four different times, the enemy asked to meet. You want to meet with us? Hey, would you like to meet with us, Nehemiah? Could you meet with us? Four different times, he gives them the exact same answer. No. Let's talk. No. Stop building. No. And on the fifth time, I mean, if, after four, you should have got the hit. I'm not leaving this place. I'm not moving from this position. No. Nehemiah 6, 5 and 6 says, the fifth time, Sam Ballot, this is the bad guy, his servant came and opened his servant came with an open letter in his hand, and this is what it said. It says, there's a rumor. I hate that. There's a rumor. I'm hearing something. So the fifth time, he's trying to get him off the wall. Now he's creating, there's a rumor. There's a rumor. <laughs> There's a rumor. Anybody sick of that? People talk too much. <laughs> they listen too much to ignorant stuff. Can I just say how I'm feeling right now with this? <sighs> Rumors are carried by haters, spread by fools, and believed by idiots. Did I say that out loud? <laughs> Rumors are carried by haters, spread by fools, and believed by idiots. Rumors. There's a rumor. There's a rumor among the surrounding nations. And Gisham and he, another bad guy, Gisham tells me it's true. Rumor is that you and the Jews are planning to rebel, and that's why you're building the wall. According to this, his report, you plan on being their king. This cupbearer. There's a rumor. See, listen, church, can I say something to you? I know we're going to have a good weekend, but don't let the whispers of people distract you from the call of God. 
Don't let the whispers of people do that. There's a rumor. Oh, I better track down that rumor. What'd they say? What'd she say? Oh, I need to look. I'm going to go ahead and social media stalk somebody now to make sure it's true or not. There's a rumor. Don't be the idiot. <laughs> Don't let people pull you away. You will never do big things if you're distracted by small-minded people. If you're always distracted by small-minded people, big things aren't going to be in your life. We can't let the opinions of others take us away from the calling of God. There's a rumor. Listen, there's been so many rumors about me, it's unreal. What do you do? You just kind of just wipe it off. Whatever. Believe what you want. Look at their fruit. Believe what you want. So many rumors people have all the time. It doesn't matter. It could be it could be work. It could be coworkers. It could be anybody. You have to focus because God's calling you to do something. You're going to turn your focus on the rumor, and you're going to miss what God is actually directing you to do. Because there's a rumor. I got to get to the bottom of the rumor. Like there's certain people you got to be careful telling anything because they want to tell everybody what you just said. Listen, I'm not saying I'm the brightest star in the sky and the sharpest tool in the shed. But there was a season one time that I, I made up something just to see who was going to be the one. And it got back to me. And I was like, huh. I'm not saying I did it now. But it was a long time ago when I was more ignorant. There's still ignorance. But, you know. And it's like, okay, I'm making up this story. And it got ran and it got spread and it got tore up. And I'm thinking... I told a couple people, and the only couple people I told. And it wasn't even really true at all. I was just seeing how far it would go. And it, man, the phone blows up, social media blows up, and it just expands, and it's like, oh, hmm. Be careful who you, you speak to. It can distract you as well. Don't worry about what people say about you. Worry about what's true about you. Just live a life that honors God. Don't let critics, don't let haters knock out God's mission in your life. The guy say to Nehemiah, they think you want to be king. He replies in verse 8, Nehemiah 6, 8. He says, there's no truth in this. In any part of the, your story, you're making this whole thing up. There's no truth in this. Here's what happens. Instead of letting the opposition discourage and distract Nehemiah, because it could have, oh, they don't like me. Oh, I'm trying to do a good work. Why are so many people against me? Everybody hates me. I've tried to do a good job. Instead of letting it discourage him, God simply made him more determined. Our God is with us, and we're going to do it. So let it fuel you when those things try to distract you. No, just keep saying no. And let it fuel you to fulfill what God has called you to do. It's crazy because in the next verse, verse, yeah, right here, it says they were just trying to imitate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. So what does Nehemiah say? 
So I continue to work even greater with even greater determination. They try to discourage, but I'm going to get a greater determination. What happens when people try to discourage you and take you off? Here's what happens with most people. A lot of people just sit down. They isolate themselves. They're so distracted that they, they put down their weapon. They put down their tools, and they just sit. And they're like, I just don't know how to get out of it. I'm so trapped in it. And their mind is so consumed. It needs to fuel you for determination. No, there's an enemy that distracted me. No, now I got this in my life. Now I got to say no. Now I got to go. Well, I don't want her to. It doesn't matter about their feelings. I'm not going to hell for nobody. It doesn't matter. What are you doing? It doesn't matter who it is, guys. You go, oh, I just don't want to, uh, you know, I'm just trying to keep the peace. Remember we talked about that? It, that doesn't matter. You have to do what God has called you to do. It continues on. No voice of people will take me out of the calling of God. You read the next text. I love about it. And here's what I love about it. If, if you read if you read it very carefully, they're building a wall, and then they would work with tools, and they would work with swords. So you got these crazy people doing two different jobs. I'm prepared to fight. I'm going to also build. I'm not just going to stand and fight, and I'm not just going to stand and build. Because if I just stand and build, I'm not prepared to fight when the enemy comes. If I'm just trying to fight when the enemy comes and preparing myself for a fight, I'm still not doing the work of the Lord by building. So I have to multitask. And you can get so distracted about trying to multitask, doing the job that he's called us to do. He's called us to swing. He's called us to build. Fight the enemy. When the opposition tries to take us off, don't let it discourage you. It builds our faith, our faith in God. And we'll do the work with more determination. Don't be distracted. Distractions are going to come. Just say no. Distractions will come. Distractions come all shapes and sizes. Once the wall starts going up, once God starts blessing whatever you're doing, because what I know about you is you're created for more. You're like, you don't know me, but God knows you, and I'm just telling you, you're created for more. You're created for more. God gave you gifts to make a difference. He gave you gifts to make a difference even in this church. And as the church, in the big picture of things, in the world, in our community, he gave you gifts, not only locally in this house right here, but as the church, wherever you go, whatever, wherever your foot steps, he gave it to you. You'll see the hand of God build the faith. And one day, with the hand and the favor of God, you'll start making a difference. And one day, with the hand and favor, as you continue to go, and, and, and even here in the house, you'll start seeing them making a difference in the house. You'll start making a difference with remnant kids, with the, with the children. You'll start making a difference with remnant youth. With the youth. You see what I'm saying? As, the, as it continues, you'll start making it. Well, I don't know if I'm making a difference. I'm just greeting people. You're making a difference. Love is breaking walls down. 
You're making it. Well, I just don't know if that's just my call. Just do it with your whole heart. Keep serving. Keep going. You'll be the light. You'll witness to people. You'll keep doing the good work. You'll be the voice of love and hope. Where it's not expected, when hope and love don't feel like it's expected in certain places, you'll bring hope and love to the surrounding places that you go. You are the church. Don't be distracted by your own agenda, but focus on the mission God's created you for. It starts, God starts to use you, and you walk in it. Yes, there's going to be distractions. You have to understand them. Be careful that you don't let the external success, church, don't let the external success do internal damage to your heart. When he starts to develop you and strengthen you, and it could do some damage. The success can cause damage. When you start seeing increase, you start seeing success. When you start to see these things, it can try to create damage. I guess what I would say is one of the biggest dangers that any kind of success, and Nehemiah would have to face this himself, is the temptation to start leading with an entitled spirit. When you feel like God's using you and you start doing stuff in leadership and stuff, don't feel like you're entitled. That's when you start to fall down. Don't just keep humbling yourself. Let God elevate you. Just, just like Nehemiah, he's elevating him to help build the wall. Don't feel entitled. Guys, this is real talk because a lot of people feel entitled. I used to go to a church and I was on staff at if a certain person didn't get their way because they gave the most, then they were going to take the whole family out of the church. They felt entitled because they gave. Take your money and your whole family because this ain't what this is about. I'll go write the check for how much you've ever gave, and I'll give it back to you if that's how it's going to be. That doesn't matter. We're here for the glory of God. We're here to lift him up, to, to do what we can to build and go and make an impact. People feel so entitled all the time, making their suggestions. and do, It is the most craziest thing that happens. But when you get into a place of leadership, don't feel like you have to be entitled because God puts you on a spot. You'll fall even harder than anybody else. You have to watch that in the success God wants in your life. I want you to see how Nehemiah dealt with this temptation, the distraction. Verse 10 and 6, he says, Later, I went to visit, what the heck's that name? She, Shabbat Shemaiah, yeah. And he said, and he said to me, so here's a new character, a guy that's, that has got some inside news for his buddy Nehemiah. Here's what he said. Let us meet together inside the temple of God and bolt the door shut. Why? Because Nehemiah, your enemies are coming to kill you. So he's got some inside scoop. Hey, if you get up in this church, we're going to shut the doors. We're going to lock it, and they ain't going to get you. So here's this guy saying to Nehemiah, I'm your buddy. I got your back. I need you in here because they're going to try to kill you. I got some intel. Your enemies have a bounty on your head. 
So let you and me go into, yeah, let you and me, he's getting saved too, um, go into the temple of God. We're going to lock the doors. We're going to be safe from the enemies. We're going to bolt it shut. What's interesting is Nehemiah actually had the authority to go into the temple. He had the authority to go. But if he did for personal, hear me, church, if he did this for personal gain and not for the glory of God, he would have been abusing his power. He'd been sinning against God. And he would lose credibility with the people that he was leading. Guys, you see this all the time, misappropriation of funds. You see this with churches and businesses and all kinds of people getting in trouble for stuff. Because they might have the power, but do they really have the authority to do the right thing? Or they have the authority to do the wrong thing? So Nehemiah, here's what he says, verse 11 through. So Nehemiah says, 11 through 13. Should someone in my position run from danger? Should someone in my position enter the temple to save his life? No. That's a good word. No. I won't do it, he said. I realized that God had not spoken to this guy, but that he had uttered this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sam Ballot, the bad guys, had hired him. You got to be careful who you hang with. Everybody's got other motives and other things. It's crazy. This guy was actually a traitor. They were hoping to intimidate me to make me sin then they would be able to discredit me. My goodness. Here's what Nehemiah says. I'm not going to hide. I'm not going to take any special privileges. I'm not going to refuse to lead with an entitled heart. I'm not, I mean, I refuse to lead with an entitled heart. In other words, he's saying, I was, this wasn't about me in the start when I started it. And it's still not going to be about me. Nehemiah is saying, I don't come to make my name famous or to make a name for myself. I came to build a wall. That is what I will do. Nothing will distract me from that, that job that God has gave me. I will not be distracted from it. Any diversity, any distraction, any temptation, anything else... I will say no to because I have a job that God has given me and I will do it with my whole heart. I say no to everything else because my purpose is to say yes to God's calling in my life. I have to watch for it. Whenever you start to succeed and grow and blossom, no, I will not lead with an entitled spirit. I've known people that feel so entitled that they, you know, they got it all going on or they, well, I have this, so I should be doing this. I got this gift and I should be doing this or I can, I can sing this or I can say this or whatever. When you lead with an entitled spirit, God's not going to bless it at all. I'm here because of the faithfulness of God. I served him in the beginning and I will serve him to the end. What happens? The enemies still don't go away. What are they? They don't care how successful you are. 
they still show up. They, they won't stop showing up. New levels bring new devils. It doesn't stop. It just keeps on going. But you've got to keep getting stronger. You can't, listen, I'm telling you right now, you don't find yourself in the Word of God, you're going to fall apart real fast. How are you going to stand against it and say no and stand for what God has if you're not getting yourself in this? The Word of God is going to transform your thoughts, your mind, your heart, everything about you. If you can't get into this, just showing up to church isn't going to make it better. It helps, but if you're not getting in the Word, you're not getting strengthened for what God has for you and using the Word against the enemy. Samballot, Tobiah, and Gisham, they continued to taunt him. They tried to discourage him. Finally, Nehemiah responds. Nehemiah 6.3 sends a messenger to them saying, I am doing a great work. I'm doing a great work. And what's crazy in Nehemiah chapter 2, he's saying, he said something in Nehemiah chapter 2, which is crazy, is he's saying, listen, he realized that he was doing a good work. I'm doing a good work for God. I'm going to do a good work for God. And now in chapter 6, he's saying, I'm doing a great work for God. The, the good work is being done, but man, I'm doing a great work. Not to boast himself, it's because of what God is doing through him. It becomes a great work. What is good is going to be great. It just isn't good, it's great. And he sends a messenger, message to all his haters and doubters and critics. I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. I'm doing a great work. I can't be bothered by your opinions. I'm doing a great work. I'm not coming down. Why should I stop and leave and come down to you? I'm doing a great work. My God has called me to do something great and important. I don't answer to you. I'm not trying to be popular. I'm trying to live out purpose. Doing a great work. And listen, church, maybe, maybe you're a mom. I'm just going to say it like this. Maybe you're a mom and you're, 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 you're trying, trying to do a great work. And you've got toddlers. And I get it. There's toddlers in here. And let me, can I just say it from, from, from up here as I talk? Your toddlers don't distract me. Honestly, I'm glad they're here. And someday we'll get more people helping. And that's a whole different story. But I will tell you, since the pandemic, people have been spooked. And it's just not remnant church, but there's churches all over the country that are struggling with their kids' ministry. Because whatever. But I'm telling you right now, we have to build. We have to grow. We have to get those rooms open. I'm not distracted by it. And moms, listen, if I, you got toddlers and they're running around. They look like drunk squirrels with diapers on. You know what I mean? Like, whatever the case is. <laughs> it's a weird analogy, but, but, but you're doing a good work. Over time, just keep going. I hope you hear this, moms, because you're doing a good work. Don't stop doing a good work. Keep bringing them in the house of the Lord, even if it feels dysfunctional because you're trying to watch them. Keep doing a good work. Keep bringing your kids to kids' church. Keep doing a good work. This season is not forever. Man, I turned around. My son turned 10, and I was like, where did he go? And in 10 more years, he'll be 20. But, but look how fast 10 years goes. 
Take your time. You're doing a good work. The seasons will change. But keep building. Keep structuring. Keep saying no to things. Maybe you're in here and you're trying to pay off debt. Maybe it's something financial. Keep doing a good work. Slowly, dollar by dollar. Keep working at it. Don't stop. There's still good work to be done. You're doing a good work. You're going to be doing a great work. Keep going. Don't come down. Keep fighting. Keep building. Maybe you're in here and you're trying to love somebody. Maybe it's the love thing. You just, I'm trying to find that. I'm trying to find that. Keep reaching. Stay faithful. Follow the word of God in your love. Let this be your love language. Let this guide you. Keep doing a good work. Don't give up. No, I will not give up. No, I will not come down. I won't back off. I won't stop. Even if they feel like they're unreachable, and even if it's not just love life as in dating or whatever, even if it's love because of family and you're, you're trying to love somebody, and they feel so unreachable. Listen, at Remnant Youth, we deal with this weekly. Hard students. There's some hard students. And guess what? We still show up. We still, we still, we still put in. We still build. We still, we still fight and swing. We still show our best. We still show them that they're, they're, they're valued. Don't give up. Don't give up. Nehemiah 6, 14 and 15. I'm just reading these scriptures from 6. You, get, you just got to read it. It's so powerful. Remember, O oh God, he's praying again. He's talking to God, the same God who called him, the same God who equipped him, the same God who stood with him, the same God who empowered him, the same God who brought favor upon his life. Remember, oh my God, all the evil things that Tobiah and Samballot have done. And remember, Noadiah the prophet and all the prophets like her who have tried to intimidate me. So on October the 2nd, the wall was finished. Just 52 days after we begun a good work. Guys, I don't know if you understand how incredible this story is. They built the walls of Jerusalem in 52 days. They didn't be like, okay, we need two backhoes. We need a crane. We need a... They didn't do all that. By their hands, by their families, they built the wall because it was important. It was valued. Here's what I love. Can I tell you what I love? I know we got to get going. You got to blow something up and eat and all that and picnics. I'll blow stuff up later. But this is what I love about this story. There was no supernatural miracle. The only supernatural thing is that God was using them to, to sustain it. They, I'm telling you right now, they were dog tired. You're talking building an entire city in, in a 52 days. There was no supernatural miracle from heaven. Notice this. There was no talking donkey. There was no fire from heaven. There was no burning bush. There was no bricks that just started to do like, start building themselves. 
there was no parting of the Red Sea. There was none of that, that whole story. It was just this. An ordinary guy whose heart was broken by a situation from his people. And he sat down and cried. Read it from the couple chapters before in chapter 2. He sat down and he cried. And then he knelt down and he prayed. And then he stood up and he acted. All through the story of Nehemiah, through all the distraction, he sought God faithfully. He made his plan, his plans very carefully. He inspired people passionately. He pushed back the critics. He kept his eye on the prize, which is God himself. Whenever the enemies will try to distract him, he would say no to anything that was lesser because he was saying yes to the greater work. Verse 16. It says, when our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about this wall that's been built, they were frightened and humbled, humiliated. And they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. Amen. When you stay faithful, it's not about you. I pray God elevates you. That's what we're in the business for. Not that some couple pastors are up here elevating themselves, that the church gets elevated and God gets the glory. Hallelujah. That we keep elevating people and building within and strengthening and creating leaders and leadership that we keep building, but God keeps getting the glory. That's why we're here. God got the glory. I don't know where you are in your process. God can get the glory. God can get in the middle of it. Listen, they were busted up walls, and guess what? God got in the middle of junk that didn't look like something, but somebody had a vision of it looking like something else, like walls. And it's just a bunch of rubble. No, it's a wall. We just haven't stood it up yet. Change your view. You'll hear that more and more. Change your view. Because God wants to do something. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. He's greater in you than he that's in the world. All things are possible when the enemy tries to take you down. Just look down and say no. Here's the crazy part. You already have an advantage of being up there. Just look down and say no. Don't come down and be like, well, let me get my drink. Let me sit down for a minute. The moment you sit down, you've already let time pass. Your time is valuable and precious to what God wants you to do. Don't sit down because the enemy, all he wants to do, he doesn't have to kill you to get you. He's just got to distract you. And you're distracted off the wall. And it's as simple as this, church. 
You'll never finish what you don't start. Bottom line. He sat down. He cried. He kneeled down. He prayed. And he stood up and he acted. So what's great about this is, listen, there's moments of weeping, but joy comes in the morning. There's moments of that. It's okay. Sit down. Have a fit. Kick your feet. Whatever. Why is this happening? But then turn your frustrations into prayer. God, help us with this. And then God's like, well, you're the one praying, so get up. I need you. Oh, I was just praying about it. (laughs) No, I need you to be about it. (laughs) Because if you can be about it, other people will rally around it. And what God wants to do, and he's always done, is he's tried to multiply. He's needing you to help multiply. He needs us. That's why we started this church. It's a a multiplication. You see these kids back here? They're going to be kids in youth. God's going to continue to keep using them. But then they're going to be in here. And God's going to use them to lead. And he's going to lead with you. You will be teaching and help leading others. It's a multiplication. No, 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 no more excuses. Let the good work begin. Everything you do, church, stand with me. Everything you do, let's let's do it for the glory of God. Do it for the glory of God. He's so good. And if I could tell you anything, say no to distractions. It's real simple. Just say no. And when your flesh gets in the way, because it always does at times, you got to push back the flesh because God gave you gifts and abilities. I wrote this down, and I want to say this to you as I end this. I have to read it like I wrote it. For those of you who follow Christ and realize you were created for more. Let me talk directly to you. That you are not, you're created for more and maybe you have not yet done anything as in like start building, serving in the church or whatever the case is. Let me tell you this. You're part of the family of God. You're part of the body. And if you're not using your gifts and expressing your internal God-given passion, there is something our God wants to be done for the glory, for His glory to make a difference in the life of others. It's not being done because you're not in the game. God wants to do something incredible but we're missing some of the key parts because you're not in the game. God's one, I don't know what it is, what the distractions are that keep stopping people from doing it. But you got to get in the game. God will, God figures out the rest. It's not that hard. You just got to get the distractions out of there. Get in the game. Don't let distractions stop you. God is building and we need your help. Maybe others of you are doing things and you're, you're in the fight. You're fulfilling things. And maybe you're in the middle of struggles yourself. 
God wants to do more. All of you that are followers of Christ, He wants to do something incredible. He wants you. He wants to use you. I'm going to sing this and we're going to get ready to go and I'll say a prayer how many have been struggling with some distractions just raise your hand if it's, for real I mean we all have them I have there, I mean there's a few times I've had some distractions and you know what I've done I've, I've got up on the thing and then I started to climb down I was like oh nope 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 anybody start climbing down because you're trying to take care of the distraction don't do that. That's the worst thing you could ever do. But you don't understand my situation. I don't care who it is. If it causes you to get off of your purpose of God, it's a distraction. Man. If you are wandering, it's a distraction. I say it one more time. Just because you go to church don't make you a Christian. Man. You've got to fully devote your life to Christ and say no to the distractions, no to those things, and yes to the purpose of God. You know what's so crazy and what I love about this place? There are so many great people in this place right here right now. And there's so many great people that have left our church that need to come back home. Just saying. If I'm just being real, I'm just a real guy. I'm talking about it. And it's so crazy because there's so many great people passionate people with so many awesome gifts. Listen, you ain't going to go to heaven with gifts alone. I'm just going to be real about that. Because you got to use your gifts, but you also got to be obedient to God and develop yourself in the Word of God. And some of y'all, can I just go ahead and break the mold real quick? Thinking that I need to disciple you by myself, get your butt in the book. Get in the Word. I th I'm, I'm, I'm digging deep. I, I dig deep for myself. You gotta get yourself in the word. You gotta dig into it. I'm preaching my guts out up here. You know what I have to do? I can't be distracted by your lack. I'm just, I, whoo, that hurt, didn't it? Oh, it hurt coming out. That was weird. But the, here's the, this is what pastors deal with at times. Because you, all we can do is preach and give the word. I can't come down and be like, did you get that? Oh, well, I didn't want to offend you. And start. Now look, I've come down off, my, off the wall, and I'm trying, to, I'm trying to baby somebody because they butt hurt over something that they need to change. Ooh. And then they feel offended yeah. because now you're pointing at me. No, nobody's pointing at you. I'm pointing towards the Father. The Father's pointing at you, though. Good. But we can't be distracted. So we take the Word. We, we hide it in our heart. We, we, we look through it again. Well, you know what? I'm going to read a little bit of Nehemiah this week. I heard what he said. I heard about these distractions. So I want to dig a little bit deeper. God, search my heart. Yes, Lord. Listen, don't change for me. You'll fall more and more. Change for him. He'll transform you from the inside out. So let him do the good work. And guess what? In the end, it's not going to just be a good work. It starts off good, but it ends up great. Man. That's what he said in the end. We did a great work. And that's what God wants to do. So let it affect your life. And I probably will talk a little more in a different way about distractions because I'm telling you, it's real. A lot of us raised our hand and said, I'm, I'm distracted right now. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's family, friends, dating, news. 
work, anything, yourself. You have to, the enemy will do whatever he can to distract you. Let me tell you something. Can I, can I break this real quick? Just because you have Christ in your heart doesn't mean you're not going to face problems and distractions. They will be there. And like I said, new levels bring new devils. They will be there. Quit being so surprised when they show up. They're going to be there. Oh, and they, here comes the distraction. Oh, it needs to get to a point now like, I've been waiting for you so I can tell you no. <laughs> I've been waiting on you too. Sucker, get out of here. You got to be prepared. Distractions will come in all shapes and forms and all kinds of stuff. And a lot of times distractions try to hit your heart. But then you have to get it in the Word and decipher, is this heart issue that I'm having a fleshly desire or a spiritual desire? But I I like this. See, attention's attention, and whether it's negative or positive, some people just like to be petted because it puts attention on them and their dysfunction. But I'm telling you right now, that's a distraction itself. You have to focus on the Word of God. Don't even focus on me. I'm presenting a word. You go study and show yourself approved in it yourself. This is the gospel. This is the good news. What I want you to do is just close your eyes. We're going to sing this, and I'm going to say a prayer, and we're going to go about our day today. Because there's more to this. I just want you to be aware when the distraction. Nope. Can't. Hmm. There's too much at stake here. Just close your eyes and just give it to me.